when we elevate our partner, that creates what researchers say is an upward spiral of generosity in our marriage. It creates a climate of kindness, a place where love can really flourish. Welcome back to another episode of the Tried and Truth Podcast. So glad you're here. If I asked you what the most important relationship you have here on this earth is, what would you say? Because if you're listening and you're married, it's likely your spouse. Well, Jody Burt is joining us on the podcast today, and you are in for a treat. She is so fun. Her wit, her humor, her truth, uh, just so much wisdom in this conversation, but also so much laughter as well. You may know Jody from her best-selling series, All Around Praying the Scriptures, over your children, over your teens, over your life, and she's just released one all about marriage. Plus, she's sharing a few parenting tips as well. She is going to have you laughing, hope-filled, and oh-so-encouraged friends. She is that person you just really wish lived next door so that every time you pulled in and out of your driveway, life would just be a little bit better. I cannot wait for you to listen. Let's dive in to this conversation with Jody Burnt. Jody, thank you for being here. So thrilled to have you on the podcast and talk about marriage. I just shared with you right before this conversation. That's the thing that lights me up. And so thrilled. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. I know. I'm excited. Let's get talking. This will be really fun, Annika. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Well, before we kick this off, I'd love for you just to share a little bit about what life is like for you these days? Just give us some snippets of your story. <laughs> well, you know, Jesus said that he came to give us life to the full. And I feel like life is full right now. Yes. Um, you and I are chatting about, I don't know, a week or two before my new book comes out, Praying the Scriptures for Your Marriage. And so anybody who's at all familiar with the publishing industry knows that part of your contract is to promote what it is you write. The publishers want authors to do that. And so many of us are kind of introverts. We like to write and all of the, you know, talking and social media and promotion is not really in our strike zone necessarily, but it feels like a lot. So that's very much where I am. Plus, um, joy, 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 Robbie and I have two grandchildren already, but we have two more on the way and they'll be coming in the next couple months. And so that is really, really fun. I'm looking forward to the birth of a book and even more, I'm looking forward to the birth of some babies. Wonderful. How exciting to have four grandbabies. What a what? gift. <laughs> huge gift. Huge gift. Okay. So is it, it's so much funner and easier is what I hear. So you get to do all the fun parts and the loving parts and then all yeah. the hard parts. You just send yeah. them right back. You get to do all that, but you know, you also have to kind of keep your mouth shut, right? Like uh, <laughs> no parents want their their parents to tell them how to raise their kids. Everybody wants the love and the support, but we as grandparents, and if you've got any grandparents listening, you know, you know what it's like, you love your kids and, you know, honor their way they do their marriage and the way they do their parenting. And you just, your job is to love them. So. Oh, that's so good. It's funny. My husband and I joke, we say, we got to start taking notes on the things that we appreciate and the things that are challenging because we want to be really great grandparents. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, I love that. What an exciting season. Okay. You have been married for almost 40 years. Gosh, I so, like amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have been married um, 40 years. And I'll tell you, looking back, Gosh, we got married when we were 21 and 22. And I feel like we um, hardly knew each other. Like, 
you know, you think you're in love with someone, you think you've found your soulmate, it's the one, God has answered my prayers. And then you get married and you realize down the road, golly, I hardly knew you when we got married. And <laughs> all the research that says that the whole idea of the perfect soulmate really is a myth because you find that person that you think absolutely completes you, checks all the boxes, whatever, and then you change. Because we all are always changing, aren't we? And I, I say in the book, um, you know, college Jody was probably a lot more fun than wife and mother Jody. You know, I didn't have when Robbie fell in love with me. I loved to just have a good time and and we had fun, no worries. And golly, you know, you add a few kids to the mix and you pile on the bills, and suddenly there's a whole new side to wife Jody. And I try to be fun and I try to be loving and all of these things, but. Um, I think there was a great quote by one of the research. It said, the challenge is learning to love and care for the stranger to whom you find yourself married. And, you know, while I wouldn't say that I ever felt like Robbie was a stranger and he wouldn't say that about me, we definitely have adapted over these four decades. Um, and, and at the end of the day, it's all great. It's, it's when you put in uh, the time and the love and the care and yes, the prayer, um, I think it's, it just gets better and better. That's so encouraging. <laughs> so encouraging. And I can relate to so many different pieces of that. So my husband and I dated long distance until the day we got married. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so we really got to know each other right, right, right. <laughs> after we got married. I remember being on our honeymoon and thinking, oh my goodness, we still have so much to learn. Here we are. <laughs> and you know, the old joke is kind of true. The men get married and they think, golly, she's perfect. I hope she never changes. And the women get married and they think, boy, there's a lot to work with there. I think I can shake <laughs> and mold him. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny, but you know what? There's so much truth to that too. And you just, you just shared, we change. And I heard some, just someone encouraged me the other day, which is that, that saying that, you know, no sets of kids get, or no kid gets the same two parents. And that was very encouraging for me to hear because I, I want to have the same expectation on myself as I did, you know, child one, it's your first child. And, right, right. you know, it just looks different when there's three of them in the mix and you're older and you've changed and you've had challenges. And like you said, it's, it's bills, it's life, it's health, it's family, it's all these other things. And we're, we're changing, right? Thank God we're all changing, but we have, we're different and we're, we're different parents than we were for the first kid. And we're exactly. different and people 10 years into one. marriage. You know, you, you look at the youngest kid and, you know, our, my kids, my youngest might say, golly, you were really kind of worn out with me, but at the <laughs> same time I was, but I was also probably wiser, you know, so there's, there's give and takes at every, at every stage. I don't think anybody's luckier than anybody else in the birth order. That's oh, so funny. I love that. Well, okay. So I want to talk a little bit about um, something that you share, which is this, this idea that the greatest thing that we can do for our marriage is inviting God into this conversation of yeah. marriage, whether you're newlyweds listening to the podcast, you're 10 years, a little over a decade in like I am, or whether you're 40 years down the road, um, yeah. share with us a little bit about what it looks like to invite him into this conversation. Well, that is a great question. And it's one that I felt like was a little bit like peeling the onion as I worked on the book, because so much of the research from secular sources even talks about the value of prayer in marriage, talks about how it enhances your sense of satisfaction with your relationship, how it contributes to your own personal emotional well-being how it can lead to things like a deeper intimacy and better sex. Um, 
over and over, there are these side benefits. There was, I think, a Wall Street Journal article that talked about how it can reinforce the idea that you're on the same team, or that even if you're annoyed with your spouse, just stopping to pray for them can help you calm down and kind of re-level set. So all of these you know, behavioral researchers are, are pointing to the power that comes with prayer, but I think it goes even deeper than that. Um, I mentioned intimacy just now, and I think that when we pray, that opens the door to an intimacy, both with our heavenly father and also uh, with our spouse, with the person that is our greatest love relationship here on earth. Um, and prayer does that. It, it, it opens the door to intimacy. And um, if, you're, if you're like I am, and I, or like most marriages, I think you don't get very far into it before you realize you need some help. You know, the, the kindest person you know is not going to be able to always be kind to the spouse who is there day in and day out. Um, the most forgiving person you know will get their toes stepped on, whether in small ways or big, and it may be hard sometimes to extend that grace. So again and again, we know we need to be patient. We know we need to be kind. All of those First Corinthians 13 things and yet we don't always have it in our own strength to do that. And that's where prayer comes in because we can say, God, you know what? I need help. And he says, great, because my power is made perfect in your weakness and I am right here with you. So I think prayer is a, a great way to avail ourselves of God's presence and his provision in our marriages. That's so good. I feel like a while back, I think this was maybe two years ago, we started at New Year's doing this like 40 days of praying over your spouse. Wow. And it was so interesting. Um, you read one book and I read the other book and just getting to the end of, I think you're so right. Like just my, my love for him grew during that yes. season. And yes. as we're talking about this, I'm reflecting on the feelings I felt during that time, kind of getting out of myself. And yeah. I, I think we forget how much we focus on ourselves sometimes and how right. it becomes all about us. <laughs> and it can be, it can be even the littlest thing. Like, I love that you did that 40 day challenge. I know we're going to do something in May. I'm not sure when this episode will drop, but every day in May, we're going to do a 31 day prayer challenge. And it's, um, you can get the stuff in the back of the book. You can follow me on Instagram and see the slides there. But those are things that, there'll be very short prayers, just one little verse about something like communication or your relationship with your in-laws or how you handle conflict or money, any, you know, 31 different topics in marriage to be able to just have that one little sentence prayer, taking a minute of your day, but it's a minute where you've stopped, you've turned your heart toward God and you've invited him into the conversation. So I, I love when we can be intentional about it because you'd love to think that as Christians, that prayer would be a regular part of your life. Or that even time with your spouse, enjoying your spouse would be a priority. But so often we can back burner those things for what we feel like is more urgent in that moment. And then before we know it, they move down the, the list and even can get forgotten. So I think it's great that you started out that January doing that. And I want to just invite all your listeners to join me in May. And even if they don't hear this till the end of the month, jump on in. Absolutely. And you touched on a really important point that I think we forget or maybe neglect that there's so many different aspects of marriage. So many different aspects. Like there's the financial piece, there's the personal piece, the professional piece. There's all these different things. Like we are, you know, very intricate human beings with very complex thinking and we're, you know, we're facing all kinds of things. And so I love that you're 
looking at various elements, like you said, whether that's relationships, finances, different ways that we can just cover them in prayer. And um, right before this conversation, I was on a walk with a friend and we were talking about, she was asking what I was going to do today. And so I was sharing that I was going to be on a call with you. And she said, it's so interesting. I just listened to this podcast episode and she said, you know, they, they interviewed um, these teenagers and they said, what were the most impactful things you could remember about childhood? And one of these teenagers said that my mom used to pray the scriptures over us. Wow. And, and I, I just, it got me, you know, thinking about the power of, of what my friend was sharing with me. And she's like, you know, I started thinking about, wow, the fact that your, your parents spoke truth out loud over you and you remembered these moments that were just so integral to a lot of the challenges that you had as a kid or watching your parents do that over each other. And I, I just, I love that. That's what your friend pointed out as so seminal because you know, you may know my first book was praying the scriptures for your children. Yes. And I did for your teens and your adult children. And I'll tell you what, our kids may roll their eyes at us, especially in their teen years as we're praying scripture over them. But my children would probably say the same thing your friend did, that they would look back on that now as a huge gift of both um, in terms of the provision. You know, I think of that with my grandmother who prayed over me. And as a teenager, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, she's always this praying grandma, whatever. And (laughs) then as an adult, I was like, wow, I know her prayers, you know, released blessings I didn't deserve and protected me from problems that I did. And I just think, boy, when you realize as, as you get a little bit older, the power of the parent or the grandparents' prayers, that that's just a huge, a huge gift. So yay to your friend. Thank you for that encouragement. Yeah. So I I would know we're talking about marriage, but I would love to hear just practically, like, how did you do that with your kids? So if it's something that's really ingrained in their mind and that they can look back on, I think that we have a lot of parents who listen to the podcast, especially moms. And I love just to plant that seed of a little tip in there. Sure. Well, I'll tell you before I wrote praying the scriptures for your marriage, this new one, I threw the question out on social media. What would you like God to do in your marriage? And so the chapters, like you were mentioning earlier, do relate to those things people answered. Like, I need better communication to listen. I need to know how to deal with my in-laws. I need, you know, we need to make friends, all of these different things people ask. But the reason I did that survey this time was because 20 years ago, when I started working on praying the scriptures for your children, there was no way you could do a survey, no social media. It was actually on a piece of paper. I would hand you, you know, if I saw you in the grocery store line or, or if I put it in my Christmas cards and it was, what would you like God to do for your family, for your children? And you can imagine the things that people wanted. They wanted their kids to have good friendships and healthy relationships with their teachers or their coaches, wanted safety and protection, character traits like wisdom or compassion, kindness, selflessness, you know, diligence, all of these things. And people were even sometimes praying with the long view, like who they'd eventually marry or what their purpose in life would look like, their identity, all of that. Um, Back then, nobody was praying about technology. The book has since been updated because that's been a huge concern with today's parents and how their kids use that. But um, one of the things that I did when we updated the book, the 20th anniversary edition came out, I don't know, 2021 maybe, um, was put a section in there about how we could pray the scriptures, not just for our children, you know, use God's word as the launching pad to shape our desires and our prayers, but also equip our kids to do that. So there's a whole section in the back of that book 
where say your child is anxious, you can point them to Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You know, just that simple little abbreviated version of the longer Philippians verse so that a child can take hold of that and know that that's a promise that they can pray and that they can hang on to. And so we took about 20 little concerns that mattered to children and put mm. that in the back of the book to say, okay, here's how you could talk about this with your child. Here's how you could pray just in a really cookies on the bottom shelf way. Cause I don't know, our kids grew up thinking that prayer was not super mysterious because they saw us do it a lot. Like, you know, they, <laughs> they would tell you, you know, we would pray sometimes when we had to go to the mall because I'm a terrible shopper and I did not want to, you know, spend all day in there looking for a new pair of jeans. Um, so, so my kids very much grew up with it. And while they might've thought it was a, a bit much growing up, they would now tell you, you know, it was nice because it took the mystery out of it. It made it very doable. It really was just talking to God. And at the end of the day, that's what we want our children to know, that he's their heavenly father, that he loves them and that they can come to him with whatever their need. I love that. And just integrating it into everyday life. Yeah. And I think sometimes when you get the eye roll from your kids, <laughs> you're, you're tempted to just want to stop doing that. So you don't get the eye roll. But what I'm hearing you say is just go with the eye roll. Just keep going. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Because that is something that they're going to remember. Yeah. But I'll tell you what too. And I know we're talking about marriage, not children, but one of the things that can help with the eye roll is uh, surrounding yourself with like-minded people. Because for our kids, for example, we wanted to pray uh, the end of summer every year for the upcoming school year. And we knew that we might get a little pushback when we, if we were just doing it with our four kids. So we'd get a couple of families together and we'd say, you know what, we're going to make ice cream Sundays, and we're just going to have a family prayer time. And when their friends were there and other parents were there and they didn't feel like they were the only weird family that prayed about, you know, the homework and the teachers and the safety of the school buses and God's provision in the curriculum and whatever was on our heart for that year, when they heard and saw their peers and their peers' parents as part of that, that certainly diffused all the eye rolls and, and plus the ice cream sundays helped. I'm all about absolutely you know, <laughs> well, sugar never hurts. No, absolutely. And I, I think it's so great that you've, you've written a book on each of these elements because I think they're all connected. I think when our marriage is great, our relationship with our kids is good, you know, and I think when our yeah. relationship with our kids and life is going well there, it impacts our marriage. And so it's, it's all interconnected and we're, we're all complex beings and complex absolutely. families. And I don't think that we can neglect necessarily one thing over the other. And I just really love the idea of, I think sometimes as parents, we prioritize our kids over our marriage. And that was something we read in like marriage book 101 when we first right. got married. We we're trying right. to read all the books. Like, how can we have the best marriage? <laughs> I mean, nobody goes into a marriage saying, I never, you know, want something to happen, but we're like, no, we really, really, really. Right. What no, are we going to do? That. Because it really, it's so much easier to build a strong marriage than it is to fix a broken one. I mean, broken ones can be fixed. God is the redeemer, but I love that you took that approach and that you were intentional about doing that. That's, that's yes, awesome. I just remember this one chapter talking about, you know, prioritizing your spouse. And it was when your spouse shows up at the end of the day and they've got all the kids with them from school or soccer or whatever right. it is, like always greeting your spouse first. And it sounded kind of silly and simple because you want to say, how is basketball or how is, you know, camp, how is whatever, but it says like just showing the importance of your marriage yeah. and there's so many nights too that our kids will say like, oh, we're getting a babysitter again. <laughs> yeah, But yeah. it's really important. I try to emphasize for them. It's really important that mommy and daddy get time 
together. Like our relationship is so important. And sometimes I feel guilt. And then I remind myself, no, I'm modeling that we just, we want sacred time together and with other families and other couples and yeah. So it's, it's just kind of fun, but I feel like prioritizing our marriage so that we can be the parents we need to be and be the people in our professional places that we need to be. Cause it is all interconnected. It is all it's related. So interconnected. It's, and yeah. you're speaking to something. There's a, there is a chapter in the new book about um, parenting priorities and it's, it speaks to exactly what you're talking about. Um, the idea that you don't want to put your spouse. Yes. You'll have a new baby that needs your attention. I'm not saying just totally ignore your kids in favor of your spouse, but we want to prioritize one another. And what I learned as I worked on this book is that that where you, where you think it might feel like you're neglecting your kids because, hey, you're getting that babysitter again. Or what we did when Robbie would get home from work is we had what we called couch time where our kids just knew that the first 10 minutes or so, yes, he was going to say hi to them, but we were going to have some time while they were still awake and they would have to just be quiet and watch while we talked. And they got the giggles and they would be whispering and, you know, saying, and and I kind of thought, oh gosh, is it bad that we're not attending to their needs right now. But what I learned again from the research is that creates security and stability in a home for children to see parents prioritizing one another says to them, I am safe. I'm taken care of. This is an environment where I'll thrive. Um, and so, you know, we had no idea we were doing that. We just had these four little kids that were all a handful and we were trying to spend a few minutes with each other, but come to find out that was actually being really good for our kids, mental and emotional and spiritual health. It's like, isn't that the goal of every parent, right? To create a life-giving home, right? To create a life-giving home and not neglect that. Like they're, they're watching everything. And I feel like those are the little things that you don't realize how, uh, how important that safe place and stability and seeing love modeled, Yeah, seeing love modeled and caring about each other's needs and feelings and days. And just, you know, outside of just ourselves, I think that's so important for them to, to see and and witness. That's really good. So I know you've worked with a lot of couples (laughs) and she's like, over the course of your 40 years, I would love just to hear, have, is there something that you can encourage us with that you have, you've seen, you have witnessed, you've been part yeah. of that just might be helpful for anyone who's listening. That's on the high or the low of their marriage, but just I, yeah. something that you can speak truth to. Well, you know, part of it goes back to those surveys when people uh, answered my question on social media, because a lot of it was the same thing that Robbie and I saw when we would lead these marriage courses where like 30 couples would come people would want help with their communication. They'd want to know how to listen well. And, you know, to that, I might say, uh, and again, there's a couple of chapters in the book on it, but just what I would say to you is um, don't expect your spouse to be a mind reader. You know, we need to be really clear in our communication. We need to take care not to interrupt. I'm a champion interrupter because I always think I know what the punchline is and I want to get there and jump on in. Um, Ravi is really good at what we call identifying the main issue because um, I can tend to circle a subject with a lot of different, what he calls phantom things. They're not really what is on my heart or what's bothering me. Um, and, he, and he says, we got to ask each other questions to discover what, what it is that, that you really want to talk about. Um, and then say to one another as you're talking, okay, is this just something you needed me to know, to hear? Or is there something you want us to do about it? Because sometimes 
we just need to know we've been heard. We just need to be held. We just needed to get it off our chest. You know, other times it might be like, you know what, there's some action steps we need to take here, whether it's about a job, a, a home, a, a child, you know, maybe there, there are some things to identify and to do. So I think that's important too, as we communicate is to say, okay, is this a, is this just a here or is this a, a do? Um, but then the other thing we hear, and I've probably heard this as, as, as much as anything else, um, people would reach out saying, I'm not in the same place spiritually that my spouse is. Um, some women would say he's not my spiritual leader. Uh, my spouse doesn't want to pray with me, not comfortable. Our prayer styles are different. And, you know, Robbie and I can really relate to that because we're both Christians and we both believe in the power of prayer, but we have very different styles. I like to journal. He likes to sort of just pray in his head. Um, I love to talk out loud. A prayer walk appeals to me. You know, he's, he's not quite that wouldn't be his preferred style. He'll do it sometimes with me, but he'd much rather just be lying in bed and take my hand and pray about something in the day than to be more active on it. Um, and so as we heard from couples saying, um, you know, we're not well matched this way. How can we create this intimacy? Um, and I, I interviewed people and some of it was kind of almost funny, like a woman who's like, I gave my husband a monogram Bible and he didn't read it. And then I gave him a devotion <laughs> with a golfer on the front because he plays golf. So I thought he'd like that, you know, and we do all these things. We leave things around the house. We hope our spouse will see it, pick it up, whatever. Um, and this particular gal said at one point, um, her husband said, what makes you think your faith is so much better than mine? Mm. And she said that really stopped her short because she realized that he did have a faith. He just didn't express it the way she expected him to, or the way that she, you know, thought looked like, um, look like that kind of Christian and so um she said that that stopped her short for her that was a a moment where she had to step back and kind of examine her heart and was she arrogant thinking that he had to do exactly what she did in order to look like he had a relationship with the Lord and um and then another gal I talked to whose husband just flat out didn't want to go to church didn't want to pray with her and she found herself praying, God, fix him, God, change him, God, convict him, all these things. And what the Holy Spirit whispered to her was, you know, it's my love and my kindness that lead you to repentance. Hmm. Let's be that kind of love and kindness in our homes. Like, uh, you know, a, a devotional with a golfer on the front or a to do <laughs> spiritual thing, any of those things might, might work, but how much more would that loving kindness and that patience and that gentleness lived out draw someone into a relationship with the lord you know they, they'll want what what we have um and so i think modeling that is a great way and serving each other i mean like i think you and i were talking about what would be the thing i'd most want to say what excites me what have i learned from this book and the idea that we can follow the Philippians to model of looking not just for our own interests, but to the interests of others and putting the interests of others ahead of ourselves or Ephesians five, verse two, where it says walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. When we do that in marriage, when we commit to putting the other person first, their needs, their interests, their desires, whether it's something simple, like bringing them a cup of coffee or, you know, getting up first to let the dog out or, or something you know much bigger, so going to an event that you have no interest in, or um, 
holding your tongue in a family gathering because you know it will honor your spouse, whatever it is, when we elevate our partner, that creates what researchers say is an upward spiral of generosity in our marriage. It creates a climate of kindness, a place where love can really flourish. And so that's been my number one takeaway from working on the whole book is that I'm more committed than ever to showing kindness and selflessness to the best of my ability. And then when my ability runs out, <laughs> even before my ability runs out, counting on the power of the Holy Spirit to equip me to do that, which I can't do on my own strength or in my own desire. You know, there've been times I told somebody, I'm not just going to pray, make me willing to be kind. I have to pray, make me willing to be willing because I'm not even <laughs> right now and that's the prayer <laughs> i think god delights to answer so anyhow wow i the what you just touched on is i feel like something i hear so often from from friends um exactly what you said like we're not on the same page i'm not being led he's not doing the things that i want or i thought or i imagined right that a spouse would do. And what you just said, I think is, is so powerful and so encouraging. And it kind of yeah. gives that time out, take a step back. And just that my love and my grace and my faithfulness and my ability to see them where they're at. You shared something on social the other day that was really funny. I don't remember. I don't know if you wrote it or it was a repost. I don't remember exactly, but the coffee cup that, Oh yeah. <laughs> was that, was that you or was that, yeah, that's, I, well, that? In, in, in the book, every chapter starts with a joke and, you know, I have a little bit of a corny sense of humor, but I thought, you know what, marriage can be hard. Marriage is work, but it's also meant to be fun. And so, you know, we're supposed to enjoy each other. And sometimes, like we said earlier, you think it will just come obviously because you wouldn't marry somebody you don't enjoy, but sometimes you have to really be intentional about that, having fun together. So I start all the chapters with a joke and that was one. And I think it's on the chapter in kindness. How I think it said something like my wife brought me a cup of coffee this morning and she winked at me. And then he goes, and I've never been so scared of a drink in all my life. So funny, <laughs> so funny, but it's like this, you know, we forget. And I, I had a guest on the podcast recently and what she said was so profound. And I've just really been kind of meditating on what she said, but she's had a lot of success in her life. And she said, I love that my husband reminds me that I'd rather have a present and fun wife than any accomplishment you could ever have. Wow. And yeah. that just really struck a chord with me. I'm very type A, I'm very motivated, very you know, self-motivated and driven. And that reminder of like, they, they just, there's nothing more than that they want than just to feel seen and loved and heard. And when I saw that, that's what I thought of, of just like, I see you. Yeah. <laughs> see you. Yes, yes, <laughs> that little so wink good. with that cup of coffee, you know, it, it breaks <laughs> that monotony that I think we're all in this, you know, we're all an autopilot of a lot of things and just taking that one extra step, right. It doesn't, doesn't cost us anything. It doesn't, but you know, the, the, the golfer, I think that's really funny. You know, the, the monogrammed Bible or the left this little hint. I wrote this verse on I the mean, back door, hoping he would memorize it. We, it, but we've all been there. Yep. Yep. But it but really the, is like helping them feel seen and loved and really showing grace and meeting them where they're at, just like we have received. Mm -hmm. I think that's just such a beautiful reminder and encouragement to anyone who's listening, who feels like we're just not on the same page, just yeah. a challenge to really step back and say, what would that look like if tomorrow I just woke up and chose to say, I just want to love you well. Yeah. I want to love Robbie, you well. I would say that in the marriage classes that we taught, because 
at the end, we would give couples a chance to pray. And a lot of times people weren't comfortable with that. Either they, you know, weren't fully convinced of the power of prayer, or it just was something that felt a little awkward or unfamiliar, you know, the kind of thing, okay, I'll do it in church on Sunday, but, but not just at a gathering like this. And we would say, you know what, that doesn't mean you're not in love with each other. That doesn't say anything about your marriage. But if you don't want to pray together, how about this? Put your heads together and just say, what's something I can do this week to let you know you're loved? You know, how can I support you? And those kind of questions um, taken in the context of marriage, of expressions of love and expressions of support, honestly, I think the Lord can receive those things as prayers. You know, he says he knows the cries of our heart. And as we're crying out to him for that flourishing of love and, and to see our spouse and us come along in nearness to him, I think that how can I love you? How can I support you is a really valid communication style and a really valid prayer. So good. Okay. So tell us about the book that's coming out and your hope for it. Tell us a little bit more about it. Well, it's called Praying the Scriptures for Your Marriage, Trusting God with Your Most Important Relationship. And I really do think our marriage relationships, you know, we, we invest so much, as we were saying earlier, in our kids, but we really need to be intentional in terms of investing in our marriage. Um, and so the book is meant to make prayer super doable. It's not a deep theological book. I already told you it starts with jokes, but it does have some hard chapters, couples going through suffering and grief, deep, deep betrayal and fidelity, um, pain, loss, but there's also kind of the everyday stuff, like we were touching on earlier, learning to talk with love. You know, Bible says words kill, words give life, they're poison or fruit, you choose. That's Proverbs 18 in the message. And I think we need to that reminder of how we speak to one another, how we listen, how we cultivate friendships, because we want to do marriage in community with people who will champion our marriages. Um, what does it look like to parent or, or to be married in the empty nest years or to leave a legacy? How do you fit, live out your purpose? So all of these things are covered um, and the book's broken down topically. So you can read it cover to cover or you can just say, golly, you know, I just need help right now uh, handling conflict, turn to that chapter. Um, and then there'll be stories and some discussion questions. Uh, so you can think about it on your own or, you know, if your spouse is willing to talk through some of those with you, they're in there. Um, and then a dozen or so scripture-based prayers people can pray because, you know, Jesus says in John 15, if my, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And I think right there, he really gives us a window into effective prayer because the more we let scripture, what we read in the Bible, animate our thoughts and our perspectives, whether it's in our parenting, our marriage, anything else, our friendships, the more those things will give shape to our prayers and the more what we want lines up with what God already is doing, what he wants to do, um, because it's all right there in his word. So that's a way we bring glory to God when we use scripture to shape, not just how we think, but how we pray about things. So that's the heart of the book, that it can equip people, even if you're brand new to prayer, to be able to do it. I love that you've added a fun element to it, which is part of you. You've added a touch of you to the book. And I think that makes it, you know, God, God is fun, right? He is full of life and joy. And that's, that's something we all life. need more of in our marriage. Just a little more joy, <laughs> a little more fun. My husband and I went on a retreat last year and 
when we left, they had you take those like Polaroid picture, you know, the, oh, they yeah, print yeah. them out. And so they had you write a word that you are hoping to do more of this year, or there's a word that kind of symbolizes where you're at in your marriage. And we just put fun, you know, we want to, to laugh more together, to do more experiences together. That's not just the, the routine ordinary. And I think that kind of gets lost a little bit when life gets busy. And absolutely. And I, I mean, I put a chapter in there on having fun together for that very reason. I love that you chose that word, but that's something we forget about, you know, we, we just, do happen naturally. And sometimes it doesn't. Okay. One more question that I want to ask before we wrap up um, for someone who's just saying like, what, why pray scriptures over my marriage when I can just pray over my marriage? Uh, you've written a lot of books on praying scriptures right. over, you know, over your children right. and your, your kiddos in, and, and, and now marriage, why the scripture part? Why the, scripture uh, why the part? guide? Yes. Well, um, I can answer that on a couple different levels and I'll just speak to it from my own experience because I grew up uh, praying. I became a believer when I was eight. Um, my parents came home and they were new believers then and they kind of explained the whole sin and grace thing. Um, so I grew up praying, but when I had these children, I felt like my prayers for them were getting a little routine, you know, God bless Johnny kind of prayers, nothing wrong with those at all. But I just thought, golly, is God bored by this? Cause I'm just asking him again to help them feel well when they're sick or help them do well at school or give them friends again, all good prayers. But when I began to look at the Bible, not just as something I read, but as something I could pray kind of like God's conversation starter with me. I felt like my prayers took on a whole new dimension. They just became more interesting and creative, richer, more all-encompassing than the kind of things I might think to pray about on my own. And not only that, but you know, the verses like Hebrews 4, 12, which says God's word um, is powerful. You know, it's sharper than to any two-edged sword. It's alive, it's active. And in Isaiah 55, it says his word will not return empty, but accomplish the purposes for which it's sent. So I just think when we, again, wrap our desires and our thoughts and our longings in scripture, um, that gives them a beautiful power that releases God's provision. That is like slipping our hand into our heavenly fathers and saying, you know what, God, you said it. I'm just learning to talk just like our children learn to talk, right? We say, can you say ball? I've got a little grandson right now who's learned to say basketball and it's his favorite word, basketball, basketball. But it delights <laughs> me when I say, can you say basketball? And he says basketball. I think God is the same way with us when he's like, can you say, um, be still and know I'm God. And we're like, oh, help me be still and know that you're God. And his heart just sings to hear us speak in the language he gives us. Mm, that's such a good explanation. Love that. Okay. A question that I love asking all of my guests on the podcast is what does success look like to you? So now that you have kids out of the house, you've got grandbabies around, grandbabies on the way, you've got all kinds of things and fun and exciting and yeah. professional and personal yeah. life. What does success look like to you? Well, golly, that is a great question. I'd love to know how all your guests answer it. Um, for me, I think um, someone made the comment the other day about wearing Jesus well, how we wear Jesus. Like, And I thought back when I heard that too, years ago, I was invited to the White House Christmas party. A friend of mine worked there and she didn't have a date for the Christmas party. And I went, how cool. and I, um, I wore a Christmas sweater. And I will tell you, everybody at this beautiful party was wearing black or like a burgundy colored cocktail dress. And there I am with my snowflakes and my fluff and my puff in my bright red 
and white. And I mean, I, I thought I looked festive and, and just right. And, you know, people were so nice. They, they, they said kind things to me. Nobody, I'm sure they laughed behind their back. But afterwards I got home and I thought, what did I do? I thought I was looking like all that. I, I wanted to be fitting for where I was. And I thought how much better it would have been if I had followed scripture's lead to clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility, you know, instead of trying to be like, I'm wearing my Christmas sweater, make a statement. <laughs> I, thought, I thought much better to just trust God to dress me. And so that I guess would be, I'm, I'm not a great dresser. I would love to wear Jesus well so that when people <laughs> look at me, they see him, that would be success. <laughs> What a great story and just great how it all connects. <laughs> well, yeah, people who followed me for a long time probably remember seeing that exact same Christmas sweater on one of our dogs one year. <laughs> you know, we dressed the dogs up in our old Christmas sweaters and made that our Christmas card. And I thought, oh my gosh, there, there's our Max dressed in what once went to the White House. <laughs> so, anyway, oh, it makes for such a great, great story. note to end on. I'm glad that was your last question. <laughs> Well, that was great. Well, this has been such a joy and I'm, I'm so excited about your new book and I would love for you just to share if there's any other resources that you have or where people can follow along uh, before and after the book comes out just to stay up with, with all that you've got. Well, golly, thank you. Um, my website is jodyburnt.com and that's a great spot to go if you want to download freebies that go with the marriage book. There's these conversation cards. I love them. They, you can print them out yourself and just keep them in your purse for a date night or anytime you're on a car trip or whatever, where you can talk about some of the topics of marriage and then have some little prayers on there to pray. Um, so jodyburnt.com. Um, also, I'm super active on Instagram, uh, Jody underscore burnt. So I'd love to reach out to have anybody reach out to me there. Send me a DM, you know, love to connect. Well, what a joy to have Jody on the podcast today. In case you missed any of today's truths and takeaways in this conversation, here they are. Number one, the greatest thing we can do for our marriage is invite God into the conversation. Number two, make enjoying your spouse a priority this week. Number three, don't grow weary in doing good, especially when it comes to loving our children and speaking truth over them. Even if you get the eye roll, keep on keeping on, friends. Number four, keep things simple. I love that she gives this analogy of just keeping things in a really cookies on the bottom shelf kind of way. And I think we can apply that to so many things in our life, just keeping it more simple and less complicated. Number five, don't expect your spouse to be a mind reader and don't expect their faith to look like yours. Meet them where they're at. Number six, if you don't feel comfortable praying with your spouse, ask them this week, what's something I can do this week to let you know you're loved or how can I support you? And lastly, go check out some of Jody's resources. Found so many incredible resources on her website. And I just feel like if you go check it out, there's something you can walk away with that's going to just encourage you and meet you in whatever season that you're in. Well, thanks for tuning in. And if you have not already subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do so. Do not want you to miss out on any of the exciting and encouraging conversations yet to come. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend. If it encouraged you, share that gift of encouragement with someone else today. And last but not least, if you have not already left a review on Apple Podcasts, it means the world. I read them all and I'm so grateful every time I see a new review come in. So would love for you to take a quick 30 seconds, click on the show on Apple podcast, scroll to the bottom, tap on the stars or write a few words on your feedback means the world. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time. Bye.